السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على إن الحمد لله حمدا يوافي نعمه ويكافئ مزيده اللهم لك الحمد حتى ترضى ولك الحمد إذا رضيت ولك الحمد بعد الرضا ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا وقرة أعيننا ونور قلوبنا محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله الطيبين وأصحابه الأكرمين ومن تبعهم بإحسان وهدى إلى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين أما بعد فيا عباد الله إني أوصيكم وإياي بتقوى الله لا إله إلا الله تقوى الله الذي لا يقبل غيرها ولا يرحم إلا أهلها ولا يثيب إلا عليها وأحسن يرحمكم الله إن رحمة الله قريب من المحسنين All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The giver of life, the creator, the originator, the all-knowing, the all-wise We bear witness that there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala One without partner And we bear witness that our noble and beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam is his prophet and messenger and servant and the seal of all prophets and the seal of all those who came with revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, his purified household and noble companions and all who follow in his way until the end of time. And may we be included among them and with them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace and mercy. Ameen. My beloved community, elders, brothers and sisters, I remind myself and all of you to be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have taqwa of Allah jalla jalalu. And that taqwa of Allah is the provision for the hereafter. It is the greatest investment that we can make in our lives to, is to increase in the mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah increase us and give us that to the utmost. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Qur'an, when we make a dua for our families, we say, رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنَ Oh Allah, grant us from our spouses and our children the coolness of our eyes, the apples of our eyes. Make them pleasing to us. وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا and make us leaders for the God-conscious and the righteous. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. One of the most uh, often talked about pursuits in this world is the pursuit of happiness, is seeking happiness. There is such a discussion around that, and much of what we do in this world is really seeking that goal, whether people actually assess if it really gets them there or not. But so much of what we do, why do we go to school, why do we get jobs, why do we want to do these things? So we can acquire things, and when we really get to the heart of that pursuit of why we want those things is because we want to be happy. 
But really, what does it mean to be happy? When we talk about this concept of happiness, how do we define it? How do we quantify it, if it's even quantifiable? And it's one of those things that we talk a lot about, but it seems very elusive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us uh, what we could say is sort of an alternative understanding or an alternative pursuit that we should be seeking in our lives, which is actually seeking true life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this concept of happiness, but often it's translated more as felicity, as being of those people who are on the path to paradise. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, rather than talking about happiness, He talks to us about true life. Are you really alive? Have you really accessed the realities of what it means to be alive? And that we can also apply that and say, have we accessed the true meaning and purpose of our lives? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, A'udhu billahi min shaytan rajim Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu stajibu lillahi wa lirrasooli إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحْيِيكُمْ O believers, respond to Allah and His Messenger when He calls you to that which gives you life. When He calls you to that which gives you life. Now obviously if we're just talking about the life of this world, of being alive and having a heartbeat and having consciousness, we all share that. So this is an even deeper reality of life. When he calls you to that which gives you life and brings you to life. And know that Allah stands between a person and their heart and that to him you will all be gathered. And there's even an indication there that the true life is the life of the heart. Because if you're alive, then you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you and you have a consciousness at the level of your heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse of the Quran, Can those who had been dead, to whom we gave life and a light with which they can walk with among people, be compared to those in complete darkness from which they can never emerge? That is how the misdeeds of the believers have been made appealing to them. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this person was dead and then we brought them back to life and we gave them a nur. And that nur is with them when they deal with people when they walk with, among the people, their interactions, their relationships, their conversations, all of those things are impacted by the nur that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. And the mufassirin, they say that this applies to not someone who was physically dead. Now Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, peace be upon him, he brought the physically dead back to life, which is an amazing miracle. But then the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they say the greater miracle is bringing the dead heart back to life. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam and all the prophets and messengers, they did that in abundance. They did that on a regular basis. So this was someone who was spiritually dead. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them back to life through the life of iman. 
And the Mufassireen say that this could be about Sayyidina Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib radiyallahu anhu wa arda, the Prophet's uncle, or about Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu. And the meaning applies to those who can even come after them. That you have this nur, you have in your heart this true life that then impacts everything that you do in this world. So we are called as believers, we are called as followers of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam to be people who seek this true life, who seek the reality and the purpose for which we were created. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, he tells us that we actually have to uh, take advantage of our time and that the opportunity is limited. He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wa Sahbihi Wa Sallam, Igtanim Khamsan Qabla Khams. Take advantage of five things before five other things come. Shababaka Qabla Haramik. Your youth before you become elderly. Why? Because there are opportunities and things that you can do when you're young that become quite difficult to do when you're old. And one of the unfortunate tricks of the shaitan that he plays on many Muslims is that people think when I get older, then I'll start to settle down and calm down and take my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more seriously. But no, that's actually, there are things that you can access as a young person that will bring you closer to Allah and that will set you on that path in ways that you might regret not taking advantage of when you get older. So to take advantage of your youth before your years where you become more advanced and responsibilities and your body changes, your energy level changes, and so forth. And the Prophet ﷺ, he also taught us that when a young person gets involved in an act of ibadah and it becomes their routine and they're consistent in it, if that ibadah becomes difficult for them when they're older, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes an angel do it on their behalf. But the condition is that you start when you're young. So those are one of the things that you have to take advantage of. There are other meanings that are related to what's coming next. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَصِحَّتِكَ قَبْلَ سَقَمِكَ And take advantage of your good health before your illness. Why? Because the human being, the nafs, likes to delay, to sweep. In Arabic, they call it to sweep, which we could say in English is one day, one day I'll do this, one day I'll do that, one day I'll get to it. And Imam al-Ghazali says, most of the people who wail in the fire, they're wailing from their to sweep, from saying one day, oh, if I only had not said one day, and I got to it in time, I took advantage of that opportunity. Uh, so your good health before your illness, that you take advantage of your energy, you take advantage of your strength, you use it to fast, to worship, to do things that are pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to spread goodness in the world, to help people. Because when you get sick, those things become very difficult to do. The next he says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَغِنَاكَ قَبْلَ And your abundance of wealth before your poverty, or we could even say your abundance of wealth before having a very diminished amount of wealth. Because there are certain things that you can do getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you have wealth that become very difficult when your wealth is very tight. 
your means become very constricted, helping others, feeding others, giving charity, and so forth. So to take advantage of your wealth before those times where your means become constricted. And then he says, Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, wa faragaka qabla shughlik. And your free time before you come, become busy. And we can almost relate this to shababik qabla haramik. We can relate this back to the days of being young when you have fewer responsibilities in life. You don't have people who you have to take care of and that you have to provide for. When you're young, you can seek knowledge. You can travel in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can do things that when you have others who are dependent upon you, you can't move as you did before. You can't make certain decisions that you made in the past. So to take advantage of those free times, and that doesn't only relate to the time where you're young. It even relates to the time when you're older, that you have free time, that we schedule our day in a particular way so that we take advantage of important times, that we make ourselves freed up for ibadah, that we make a, a time for our awrad, whether that's a word of dhikr or a word of reflection or a word of prayer or other kinds of religious routines that we have. And then the last that he says, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam is, وَحَيَاتَكَ قَبْلَ مَوْتِكَ And your life before your death. Take advantage of these things. There are doors that are open for us that will not remain open forever. So we recognize that and we take advantage of the opportunity given to us. And one of the things that people of the dunya say, and they say it trying to call people to the dunya, they say you only live once. So live it up. But the reality is, yes, you only live once. And then you will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everything you do in this life is going to define and dictate the way that that meeting takes place. Whether it will be beautiful and whether it will be a meeting where you are honored and elevated and rewarded and you experience the greatest triumph and victory and joy that can possibly be imagined or it will be a meeting where someone is reprimanded and rebuked and punished. So we have to take advantage. And the thing is, it's not a zero-sum game. It doesn't mean that you have to, everything else in the world, everything that you're doing has to be put to the side, but that you actually recognize that these things are blessings. And you recognize that consistent deeds of really seeking nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Realizing our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our yearning to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our yearning to meet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam, that those are things that we can incrementally invest in now, even if we're not perfect. We work on that path and we strive to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Imam al-Ghazali, he drives this point home. He says, each of your breaths, Every breath that you breathe is a priceless jewel since each of them is irreplaceable and once gone can never be retrieved. Do not be like the deceived fools who are joyous because each day their wealth increases while their life shortens. They look at their bank account and starts to go up, their investments go up, and if it's halal, it's halal. But make a time to think about how many tahleel did I say today? 
How much la ilaha illallah did I say today? How much istighfar did I make today? How much Quran did I recite today? And really invest in that measure, invest in that, uh, uh, in that account. What good is an increase in wealth when life grows ever shorter? Therefore be joyous only for an increase in knowledge or in good works, for they are your two companions who will accompany you in your grave when your family, wealth, children, and friends stay behind. I remember one of the righteous was once asked when he got elderly and he took advantage of his youth. When he was in his older years, someone said, all of your children are busy and they're doing different things and you are bedridden. You can't really move around like you used to and you're in bed and everyone's living their life and you're alone. And he said, whoever has the Qur'an is never alone. Even in his life, before he entered his grave, he wasn't lonely. Now people feel loneliness, and that's a real thing. But this is a maqam. This is a rank that he was at. This isn't something he was just saying because it sounded nice. This is a reality. Actually, I have more intimacy with Allah when people are busy so that I can recite the Qur'an and remember Allah and have my munajah. That person invested in all of these things before the time came. So those are the companions, good deeds and knowledge, beneficial knowledge that brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, he taught us to really think about the life of the grave. And that in every salah to prioritize the akhirah over this life. And he would make a dua after the salah al-Ibrahimiyyah, after the second tashahud of the salah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught us to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adabi jahannam. O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the punishment of the fire. Starting with the akhirah first. And if you look at the order of the dua, it starts with the akhirah, quote unquote, backwards. But really it's the order of priorities. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adabi jahannam. Wa min adab al-qabr. And from the punishment of the grave. وَمِنْ شَرِّ فِتْنَةِ الْمَحْيَا وَالْمَمَاتِ And from the tribulations of life and death, that when a person is transitioning into the barzakh, there are certain tests, and the shayateen try to work their last deception on that person before this ruh returns to Allah. That's the fitna of the mahya and the mamat. وَمِنْ شَرِّ فِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ And from the evil of the tribulation of the Antichrist. The Prophet ﷺ would make that dua, at the end of every salah, teaching us to prepare for the life of the grave and that this life of the world is short. <laughs> Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, I'll end with this, inshallah ta'ala, a beautiful quote that Imam al-Haddad mentions of Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib and his relationship with the world, with the dunya, and how he prioritized things and took advantage of the opportunities. So one of his contemporaries, Sayyidina Dirar ibn Dhamra, was describing Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib and he said he was, may Allah be well pleased with him, far-sighted and of mighty strength. His words were decisive and his judgment was just. He liked coarse food and short clothes. In other words, that in those days that people would buy the materials in order to get their clothes tailored. So he would be on the side of zuhud, of not taking more than what was necessary. Naam. He felt estranged from the world and its ornaments and was intimate with the night and its darkness. 
In other words, he had ibadah. He had his time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Dhirar ibn Dhamra says, I bear witness that I saw him once when night had fallen and the stars had risen, wakeful in his prayer niche, in his mihrab, like a man that had been stung by a scorpion, restless as though wounded, weeping sorrowfully, holding his beard and saying, O world, O dunya, deceive other than me. Is it for me that you ornament yourself? Is it to me that you manifest yourself? I have divorced you thrice. This is Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. I have divorced you thrice. There can be no return. For your span is short, your worth insignificant, and your danger great. And then he says, ah, talking about you know, this deep emotion, realizing the significance of what is coming. He says, the scarcity of provision, astaqwa, the length of the journey, that this journey is a long journey to the Akhirah, and the dunya is only a small part of it. But it, once again, it really, uh, it colors the entire rest of the journey that comes after it, and the estrangement of traveling, the loneliness that one feels on this path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not something that should make us sad, or this is not something that should make us feel like this is very you know, uh, somber and dark, quite the opposite. This is accessing hayatul ruh. This is accessing the life of the soul. That even in this munajah, even in this iftiqar, feeling this brokenness and neediness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sweetness of ubudiyah that cannot be described. There is a sweetness in the servitude and a sweetness in the intimacy with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that nothing of the dunya can ever match and never replace. And this is the real life. One of the Salihin was asked, to whom does the hereafter belong to? The Akhirah, who does it belong to? And he said, to those who seek it. And they said, who does the dunya belong to? He said, to those who forsake it. Why? Because even the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although they're not uh, uh, they're not veiled by the dunya. They're not distracted by the dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subjugates it for them. Why? Because they are seeking malik dunya wal akhirah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are seeking the master of the dunya and the hereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when they sought him, he subjugated everything for them. Radiyallahu anhum ajma'een. Wallahu yaqulu wa qawluhu al-haqqul mumeen. وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ وَقَالَ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ اعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا لَعِبٌ وَلَهْوٌ وَزِينَةٌ وَتَفَاخُرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ وتفاخر بينكم وتكاثر في الأموال والأولاد كمثل غيث أعجب الكفار نباته ثم يهيج فتراه مصفرا ثم يكون حطاما وفي الآخرة عذاب شديد ومغفرة من الله ورضوان وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع الغرور 
سابقوا إلى مغفرة من ربكم وجنة عرضها كعرض السماء والأرض أعدت للذين آمنوا بالله ورسله ذلك فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء والله ذو الفضل العظيم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the translation of which is know that this worldly life is no more than play, amusement, luxury, mutual boasting, and competition and wealth in children. This is like rain that causes plants to grow to the delight of the planters, but later the plants dry up and you see them wither, then they are reduced to chaff. And in the hereafter, there will be either severe punishment or forgiveness and pleasure of Allah, whereas the life of this world is no more than the delusion of enjoyment. So compete with one another, not in dunya, compete with one another for Allah's forgiveness, for forgiveness from your Lord, and a paradise as vast as the heavens and the earth, prepared for those who believe in Allah and his messengers. This is the favor of Allah, he grants it to whoever he wills, and Allah is the Lord of infinite bounty. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا بما فيه من الآيات والذكر الحكيم وأجارنا من خزه وعذابه الأليم أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم ولوالدينا ولجميع المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم إن الحمد لله حمدا يليق بجلال وجهه وعظيم سلطانه ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وكرم على عبدك المصطفى سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد فيا عباد الله إني أوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله لا إله إلا الله So it is worth taking time to really thinking about accessing the true life. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us a taste of the true life, of realizing the purpose for which we were created. And when we access that and when we realize that, then the delusion becomes clear. And when you know reality and you know that which is just an illusion, it is easy to choose reality. And the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person has more clarity and determination on that. And that the life of the heart is the life of Iman. Is Hayatul Iman, is experiencing and tasting the sweetness of Iman, the sweetness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity, His perfect attributes, His mercy, His forgiveness and following in the footsteps of the greatest beloved, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the realities of iman, and the realities of certitude, and to ascend in those degrees until we meet him in the best of states. Ya akram al-akrameen, wa ya arham al-rahimeen. Wa akthiru min al-salati wa salami ala al-bashir al-nadhir al-siraj al-munir, Sayyidina Muhammadin, فإن الله أمركم بأمر بدأ فيه بنفسه وثن بالملائكة المسبحة بقدسه وآيها بالمؤمنين تعميما فقال مخبرا وآمرا لهم تكريما إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي 
يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا المصطفى محمد وعلى الخليفة من بعده المختار وصاحبه وأنيسه في الغار مؤازر رسول الله في حالي الساعة والضيق خليفة رسول الله سيدنا أبي بكر الصديق رضي الله عنه وعلى من نشر العدل في الآفاق فاشتهر من رفع الله له القدر فيما أنزل على خير البشر حليف المحراب أمير المؤمنين سيدنا عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه وعلى الناصح لله في السر والإعلان من استحيت منه ملائكة الرحمن محيل ليالي بتلاوة القرآن ذي النورين أمير المؤمنين سيدنا عثمان بن عفان رضي الله عنه وعلى أخ النبي المصطفى وابن عمه ووليه وباب مدينة علمه إمام أهل المشارق والمغارب أمير المؤمنين سيدنا علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه وعلى الحسن والحسين سيدي شباب أهل الجنة في الجنة وريحانتي نبيك بنص السنة وعلى أمهم الحورى فاطمة البتول الزهرى وخديجة الكبرى وعائشة الرضا وأمهات المؤمنين وعلى الحمزة والعباس وسائر أهل بيت نبيك الذي طهرتهم من الدنس والأرجاس وعلى أهل بدر وأهل أحد وأهل بيعة الرضوان وعلى سائر الصحب الأكرمين ومن تبعهم بإحسان وهدى إلى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات اللهم لا تدع لنا ذنبا في مقامنا هذا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم أحسن لنا الخاتمة يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اختم لنا بالإيمان واجعل خير أيامنا يوم نلقاك يا أرحم الراحمين عباد الله إن الله أمر بثلاث ونهى عن ثلاث إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون فاذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروه على نعمه يزدكم ولذكر الله أكبر